Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. Episode 27, Making Games Magical. Recorded for Indie Plus. Presented by Mark Diaz Truman, Kyle Simmons, Julia Ellingbo, and James Raji. Okay, we're live. Hi, I'm Mark Diaz Truman, one of the organizers of Indie Plus, filling in for the uh, lauded, amazing, wonderful Rich Rogers, who of course won't be here with us today because he's off having fun at the delightful Camp Nerdly. Uh, but I have stepped to do his very large shoes in an attempt to, to moderate uh, in his absence. Um, and we'll miss Rich, but but I'm, I'm who you're stuck with today. Uh, but we're excited to welcome a group of fabulous guests who did not send their replacements. These are our actual <laughs> wonderful guests, um, James, Julia, and Kyle. Um, and we're excited to have a conversation today about making uh, games magical, both, both in terms of how do you make uh, magical games and in terms of how do you add magic to games to make them magical. Um, so I'd like to welcome our guests and uh, kick it first over to Kyle to have him introduce himself. Okay, uh, my name's Kyle. Um, I'm living in Korea right now, and uh, that's the reason why I developed Magicians, because I'm a Korean major. Um, the only thing you'll know me from is Magicians, so that's why I bring it up. Um, other than that, um, I haven't really designed anything else, but I've played a lot of uh, games that use magic, especially a lot of D&D, like everyone gets their start with. Awesome. So I'm Thanks. glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for coming. Julia? Hi, I'm Julia Ellingbo. Um, I wrote a game called Steal Away Jordan, which is about slavery in the antebellum south. And I have other games that sometimes get published um, <laughs> when, when I have a chance. Um, uh, I've written about Japanese folktales. Um, I write LARPs, and I write short stories. Very cool. James? Okay. Well, I'm Jim. I do Lamentations of the Flame Princess weird fantasy role-playing. And next month, uh, June 15th, for your RPG day, I've got Better Than Any Man that should be available at your local game store. Excellent. Wonderful. Good. Well... Today we're gathered to talk about magic, which is, as, as Kyle put it, since a lot of us got our start playing D&D, um, long been a part of role-playing. Uh, lots and lots of systems use magic, given that role-playing tends to have an escapist kind of feel sometimes. Magic is one of the first places people go. So mm -hmm. I wanted to start today's conversation by just asking, what games have you played with magic in them that you've really loved? What magic systems or ways of thinking about magic have really excited you? And also, what games have you designed that have magic that you're really proud of? So I thought I'd just kick it off, get started with Kyle, uh, just like we did, and see if see what see what awesome things come out of that. Okay, um, I guess yeah, like most people, I got my start with D and D, but um, I was a little bit later to the game. I started with 4E. Um, so for me, um, magic was a lot of fun, um, but it was a lot different, I think, from lots of other people who started with um, an earlier version of D&D. Like for 4 e it was like those power cards and you could use them at certain times and stuff. And um, yeah, our group, um, like I was happy to start role-playing and stuff. It was only about, um, I guess, three, four years ago now. 
Um, and while I was happy to start playing that way, um, we got quickly bogged down, like I think a lot of people do with D&D's combat. And you can, you know, you'll play like one combat for a couple hours. And um, what I didn't like about the magic system for D&D was that um, I found that when I was reading all this fiction about magic, there was always this like oral component to it. There was always something spoken about it, and there was something creative, and it usually involved language and speaking. And uh, I hadn't, like my experience with RPGs is not so broad that I can say that about any game, but I hadn't seen one that um, required people to actually say something or speak or use a language or like, um, I don't know, connect with that, the, the fiction I grew up with more like, uh, say, like a, a Wizard of Earthsea or even more modern stuff like uh, Dresden Files. Um, so not having seen that, um, that's what I set out to design, and that's what I did with Magicians. So uh, in Magicians, the, the core conflict resolution system is all about casting magic, and to cast magic, you have to use a different language. That's right. So you, you actually have a system where you have to speak the words in order for it to go correctly, right? Yeah. Um, like the book walks you through some learning some basic Korean, and uh, I use a text-to-speech app uh, on your smartphone or on your computer, and uh, if basically you say what you uh, want to say, um, in that language, and if the app recognizes it, if it uh, writes it down correctly, then um, that would be successful casting. And if it doesn't, then uh, it's a failure, but hopefully a, a fun failure. <laughs> <laughs> cool, good, good, good. Great, um, let's move on to Julia. Julia, what about you? So it's, it's probably something that we didn't see before because, uh, oh, sorry. No, that's okay. The the tech really wasn't there for it, right? Like it's it's a cool it's a cool invention because it uses the smartphone. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, good. Well, let's move on to Julia. Yeah, that's all I was gonna say. Yeah, Julia, what games have you played that you really loved with Magic, and what games have you designed? Um, well, the first game I ever played was actually Primetime Adventures, and we played. Uh, the, which the was a few years ago. A different first yeah. game than most people too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I, I've played um, Redbox D&D, but um, that was a few years ago. Uh, mm. After I played um, Primetime Adventures. But we played, a, uh, we played Season 8 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and I guess that's really the flavor of magic that I, that I enjoyed was sort of not the... The magician and the paladin, and um, while those are totally cool, I, I sort of like the um, sort of kitchen witch everyday magic um, that sort of originates from anyone um, and incorporated with monsters and creepy beings. Uh, so we did um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I liked magic from other from other traditions, other cultural traditions. Um, in Steal Away Jordan, I used magic and the supernatural as sort of a buffer towards the real-life terrible things that could actually happen to people and did actually happen to me to people in slavery. So 
um, it's a nice sort of uh, takeaway from from the realistic things that you might have in a game. Um, and I tend to gravitate more towards not having so much spells, but having just the everyday sort of. Um, if you went to your kitchen and you grabbed some, um, oh, my favorite one is elderberries. Elderberries have a magical quality, and uh, they also are good for you. And if you look at an herbal book, uh, just an actual herb book, you'll find very often the medicinal qualities of this herb in addition to what it can do for you magically. Um, so I like folk magic, basically. That's cool. Very cool. What about you, Jim? Uh, favorite kind of magic mm -hmm. in games and in your design? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I got started with the Mensa Redbox D&D, and you know, I, I played all sorts of games in the 80s, early 90s, uh, honestly dropped off and trying a lot of new stuff into the late 90s and 2000s. But it was always the D&D system that I kept coming back to. Uh, you know, not because the magic system itself is, you know, all that great or awesome. Uh, you know, but because there seemed to be a good separation between the player magic, which is the spell lists, and you get this many spells per day, you know, so, something simple, something you can get your head around and plan around. But then you have the, uh, you know, the referee side, the dungeon master side magic, where you can do anything. You know, reading, you know, some of those early modules like Tomb of Horrors. You know, he, here's this, you know, statue with a mouth that destroys anything that goes into it. You know, it doesn't use any other rules. It's just that's the effect. And here's this shimmering portal that when you go through it, you get teleported naked to this other place. And... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, just anything you can think of. You don't have to worry about the rules. You don't have to worry. Himself. Yeah, you just, you know, that that's that's what this does right there. You know, it was kind of the same way when I had my big Marvel superheroes, the old TSR game. Uh, when I had, you know, I was going through my big phase with that. You know, all powers were like that. You know, oh, yes, I've got, um, you know, static electricity control. It's excellent. You know, it didn't matter if you were a mutant or a robot or a magician, so magic didn't feel like magic. Uh, it's the same thing when I went through my GURPS and Hero Systems phases. Uh, you know, but the D&D &D magic, it could always, you know, it, there were no real rules, you know, like the deck of many things. You know, here's this thing that's going to wreck your campaign no matter what you do. It's either going to make the players either completely overpowered or it's going to, kill them and just wreck everything and all your plans are done, but that's something you put in the hands of players. And the players all know this is going to wreck everything. You, as the person running the game, know it's going to wreck everything, and you're just looking at each other, daring, you know. Are you going to use this great power? And how will it turn out? Nobody knows. That's magic. Interesting. Very cool. Good. <laughs> well, um, I think already we've covered the magic is many, many, many things. Um, but I'm curious to hear as to what uh, the difficulties of designing with magic are. Um, I know that you know a lot of the games that I've designed don't actually have magic as part of them. Uh, one of my games is just sci-fi, no magic. Don't have to worry about magic, don't have to think about it. I'm curious as to what sort of challenges you guys faced when you started to introduce magic into your games. What, mm -hmm. what did it change about the narrative and what was difficult about making it a part of the game? Um, 
And why don't we start with uh, Julia? Do you have any thoughts on on this particular topic when you were when you were sitting down to write Steal Away Jordan, for example? Sure. Um, yeah, at first uh, I made it an entirely optional thing that you had a deck of cards that you could bring and you could have a character who was the conjurer or the root doctor and they had uh, spells that were uh, represented by a deck of cards and how those how the spells worked would be based on what the card was. Um, you had to get favors from from the root doctor in order to use it, so you had to be on this person's good side. And they were supposed to be sort of a the wise person, uh, but it was still an optional character. So if people wanted to play a game that had no magic whatsoever, had nothing supernatural, they could do away with the root doctor, or they could uh, just play it a straight up straight, uh, slave narrative. Um, in, instead of playing it a folk tale, so you wouldn't have, say, um, I always use the crossroads. Uh, you wouldn't meet the devil at the crossroads. Uh, you wouldn't try to do something that you've been taught all your life, so you wouldn't make a honey jar if you wanted somebody to be sweet on you or to, to um, act in your favor. Um, so one of the problems that I, I, I guess it wasn't really a problem, but I was hoping that people would want to play an actual slave narrative and I got a lot of feedback uh, saying no this game is much more fun when we've got supernatural and, and we have this uh, we have a, a wall between our ourselves our characters and the crappy things that are going to happen to them so um, so yeah the magic actually ended up working pretty well and, and made the game much more accessible to people uh, I'm I wonder if it was because in so many role-playing games there is magic. There's there's something supernatural, something fantastical. And having a game that's just historical and here you are, you're a person and nothing supernatural ever happens to you, um, that's kind of hard to play. Um, but that said, uh, you could also play it so that whatever magic you experience is actually in your own head and everyone could have a different experience of what the magical occurrence was that actually somebody just came in and saved your ass it wasn't really that um, some you know thunderbolt came down from the sky it's just it was raining that's why it was thundering that's why all those things happen interesting cool <laughs> cool so uh, it sounds like almost the magic sort of helps people cope with the seriousness of the topic yes. um, at some level and, and mitigates a little of the, almost the horror, right, of, of slavery, but in a way that makes it accessible and, and, and productive. Yes, yeah. Um, and one of the other things I, I had a, a tricky time with was that the way I think of magic isn't so much the, the sort of the high magic. I do think of going into my kitchen and grabbing a mason jar full of whatever herb and using that, you know, can't think of one offhand. All right, so rosemary is good for your hair, and it's also good to ward off evil spirits. So it's sage. You know, you burn sage when you move into a house. Um, you can mix sage and pine salt and Epsom salts and wash your floor, and that will um, keep that'll sort of wash away all the bad stuff, and it can also make your house more profitable if you are 
running some kind of business in your house, like a gambling gambling hall or a brothel. Excellent. <laughs> do that in my house. Not that you run either one of those. But. No, 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 no. And you'll get awesome. that new pine smell. Yes, you'll get that new pine smell. <laughs> I've heard gamblers and, and hookers both love the new pine smell. It, it's, it's a good smell. It's really good. Good. Yeah, what about you, definitely. Kyle? What, what was it like to work with Magic as the central, uh, central tenant of your game? Uh, for me, since it was like the main part of everything, uh, what I found really challenging about it is trying to define and categorize uh, literally like every or anything that the player can do with it. Because uh, if the game was going to be about um, language learning and you to do language learning you cast magic, you really didn't want it to be like a thing that was limited by them. So... Um, yeah, just trying to get uh, all the types of magic or thinking about what they would do with it. Um, and, like, the game works largely narratively, so um, they just use points to cast magic, and if it falls into certain types of magic, they can use different um, language patterns or grammar patterns. And it also depends on, like, the level of difficulty, like... In the beginning, you just use one noun and one verb, and then you, you gradually move into a full sentence. Um, but for me, yeah, it was just trying to uh, trying to cover all the bases, like just so that if people wanted to do something, uh, they would have some guidance there for how to do it in the system. That was definitely the most challenging. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Jim? Yeah. Uh, well, the LOTFP game, you know, it's... It's one of those uh, retro clones, if you will. It uses the OGL. uses a lot of stuff from uh, older games. And I didn't want to completely break with tradition. Uh, that, that would defeat the whole point of using that framework in the first place. But I didn't want it to be the same old, same old. So it, it was the... Uh, so it was a balance of introducing something new into it without completely shredding you know, what it, the, the basic familiarity people were going to have. Uh, so, you know, my solution was just to come up with this scaling spell that starts as a first-level spell that gets powerful with the caster. You can do more with it. You know, you can summon beings from other dimensions. But the key for me is to have it be able to go spectacularly wrong. So you have this first level spell that if you roll badly, ends the world. End of campaign. That's it. Uh, uh, and, and, You're done. I, I mean, I, I've done I've done other things. You know, take some of the you know the the fluffy descriptions of some of the other spells and make them oh spooky. You know and. Yeah, I don't know that anyone actually pays attention to that, but the summon spell, once people see that in the rule book, that's when they sit up and take notice that this this isn't, you know, the same as the stuff we've seen. There's something different going on here, and there's some other spells like that, and in the supplements and adventures, there's all sorts of little things like that, but I think that's the key to have, you know, to use the frameworks. I like working with, with pre-existing frameworks just because, you know, it's fun to, you know, be in this box 
and say, I like these three walls, the box, I'm keeping these walls, but that wall there, that wall sucks. I'm breaking that wall down, and I'm going to build like a new addition on that side. So that's what I like to do, and my way with the magic was throwing in things like the summon spell, where you can just really screw up the campaign world or, you know, summon this great beast of a monster that'll solve all of your problems forever, not likely, but possible, and have that as a first-level spell. <laughs> so when, when people get my game and they want to play my game, uh, generally, that's the first thing people do. A lot of people do, not everyone, but a lot of people that running the games decide, oh, I don't know if I want the summon spell in my game. Which I guess fair enough, but you know their game they can run it how they want to. But it's that unpredictability and that <laughs> that that because magic to me is literally the tearing of reality. It, it's you know here are the rules, here's how the world works, and then magic just trashes that. So if all of your magic, even on the player side, is just yeah. following the strict <laughs> rules, you know that that's kind of a little uh, boring. So, especially if you're using a tradition and a game system of magic that's been around 40 years, you know, here's the list, we all know that, you know, that, that's, that's not magic. So, here, here's some chaos, here's some destruction, and, you know, here, here's some real gambling with your game. So, that, that's what I, I wanted to put, I wanted to do something with that, uh, and, yeah, so every time I write something new, it's like, here's something else that's going to screw around with your game. Uh <laughs> And that's and that's that's the advantage of that's the advantage of like these adventure type <laughs> games that that aren't really uh, point driven or you know balance oriented, is that you can just throw in anything at any time. You know, if you have an adventure, you have this great idea. You know, it's something that wouldn't fit in the core rules. Doesn't make sense for every campaign, but you can write an adventure, and it's like, oh, here's a magic item that destroys clerical magic because it destroys faith because it you know reveals all gods to be a lie but it only does that to the people that read it you know so interesting interesting yeah what's what's interesting about that for me is julia you describe sort of magic or maybe you don't have an idea and you need a campaign ender yeah <laughs> <laughs> right <clears throat> Um, Julia, you just described sort of magic that's, <laughs> that really exists well with the world, right? That's, that sort of uh, doesn't ever rub up against it because it's just part of it's sort of magical realism, right? The yeah, it just r lives right with it. So, um, what are what are your thoughts on the way that 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 players respond to magic that just sort of lives in the world naturally? Uh, huh, that's a good question. Um, can you repeat it, actually? Yeah, I got so, distracted. <laughs> no, um, it's just sort of like magical. I think what James has described is like the big high magic, right? Like you know, summoning <laughs> demons yeah. and and yeah. you know, rending your enemies asunder. And a lot of what you you've described today, and, and I know from your games, is the sort of magical realism of of you know Gabriel Garcia Marquez or Tony Morrison, right? The sort of like magic lives in the world, and I mean, it reminds me of yeah. my my grandmother, my nana, who would just you know talk about magic stuff and like it wasn't a big deal, yeah. like just that happened yeah. that day. Right, and it's yeah, not like, oh, deal. there's a snake on your porch, and that means somebody's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> right. right, it's just sort of like, that's the way the world works. So how yeah. do players respond to that kind of magic? How does it change the way the game works? Uh, I think it, it gives a bit of empowerment, because you can, I, I mean, I, I think I, I, I used a lot of things I grew up with, 
superstitions like the snake on the porch. I remember my mom calling me and saying, oh, Peggy found a snake on her porch. It means somebody's going to die. Um, or, you know, having a dream about somebody and, and taking it really to heart because it, it, it had messages in the dream. And so you know that somebody's going to die. Um, I, I think it's empowering. I think that that's what it, it was used for. That's what African-American folk magic tends to be used for. And you find that in a lot of conjure magic, the things that you're trying to do are put one over on your enemies and get something that you want, such as love, money, or friendship, or love and money. Um, and so there are these very simple ways to do it. You can go and talk to somebody and they can give you a little packet of something and you bathe in it and then you do this over the course of a few days and something will happen and, and really it's like visualization, it's creative visualization. Um, so I think it's empowering. I think it, it, you can sort of make things up on the fly. You use like things to get what you want. So um, I keep thinking of the snake. I'm thinking of another, thinking of another really good one. Um, Okay, so if you snipped off a little bit of uh, the hair of a dog, a black dog, and buried it, I think you have to have an iron nail too. You bury it um, in somebody's yard that, um, and you want them to break up with someone, you know, black dog hair, cat hair is a good thing. And, and so these are things that are readily available, and you can make it up and, and say, well, this is how I'm going to break these people up. Um, you can, of, of course, roll dice and decide if it actually works. <laughs> so, so on that note, I mean, I think one of the questions we've gotten from our, um, from our viewers is, how do you wrap rules around magic yet still keep it wondrous and arcane as opposed to just another game mechanic? Yeah, um, roll dice. You know, how do you, yeah, yeah. Roll, roll dice, right? So how, <laughs> how do you actually move to that? So maybe, um, Kyle, could you talk a little bit about how do yeah. you wrap rules around this awesome word magic? Well, the key, I think, for that is, um, uh, well, there's obviously a bunch of ways to do it as well, like um, like with um, James there, like with the D&D and style, the list, and um, there's something fun about that, too, because you can, you try to be as creative as possible with um, a kind of set of limitations that uh, is given to you. Um, and then there's the other style, which... I was going for in Magicians, whereas I want you to be able to do anything, so I just give you a framework and, um, uh, you know, say, kind of like have at it and give it very more abstract and narrative system and um, just like if you want it to be more powerful or if it's more effective, you just put more points into it. And uh, like in the game, you, they get points by um, doing role play -y stuff and telling a story, so um, I hope to like connect everything. But to, to answer the question more succinctly, I guess, um, I would say uh, try to have, um, try to make the system as simple as possible and as broad as possible and still being able to affect and uh, do everything that they want. Um, and like I said, there's a whole bunch of approaches to it. But I wanted to, if you're going to do the whole, like, magic is anything, do whatever you want, with it approach um, that I wanted. I uh, I just had categories like if it if it's a 
telekinetic type of thing, you do this. If it's a, uh, if it's a summoning type of magic, you do this. And you just kind of uh, have as many categories. And uh, I guess in my case, you just kind of hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of set up some broad and guidelines. And then, you know, play testing. <laughs> Right, right. Play testing forever. <laughs> you set up some broad guidelines. Yeah, I just kind of let the have do it. as much as possible. Yeah, and you know, you just uh, if you frame it in a narrativist, like in, in a story element, uh, you just kind of assume that the players will, you know, I'm telling this story, and this is what I want to happen. So as long as it fits within that story, you're okay. Awesome. Good. James, what about you? What's what's your solution beyond just sort of adding the chaos to to keeping it wondrous and arcane? Yeah, well, you can make a custom set of rules for every new piece of magic you introduce. Uh, you know, every spell could have its own set of mechanics, its own charts and tables. Every item you introduce, you know, you just you know, here's how reality works with this item. It doesn't matter if it contradicts other rules. If you're using this item, it'll supersede whatever other rules are going on. And that's, I think, one advantage of having a system that kind of just happened instead of being designed is everything's kind of a kludge anyway, so here's just more kludges. You know, it's... uh, You know, just decide, well, okay, this is going to be magic, and it's going to have a different effect depending on what the last digit of your experience point total is. So if the last digit of your experience point total is one, you know, then this this magical shimmering light's <laughs> going to do this. If you have a two, it's going to do this. You know, and you can make it more complicated. Well, if, you know, your last digit <laughs> cool. experience points is one, then you roll on this 20, you know, 20-point 20 table. Roll the d20. It just depends on how nuts you want to get, how complicated you want to get, or, you know, and you just completely make it up from scratch and then say, boom, that's, that's magic. It's in the game now. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Mm. What, so it's almost like magic is designed by the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, like fill out your Schedule C, and then uh, from there you'll carry the one, and up oh, you blew up. I'm sorry. That's, that's yeah, and then, and then, you know, you do that once, and then you introduce that in play, and then you're thinking, you know, you're hoping the players don't notice. You're putting on that, you know, game face. Yes, this is all excellent and magical, and you're thinking... <laughs> Oh, this shit's not working at all. And so the next time, so the next time you introduce something magic, is just like, okay, blah, you've all turned blue. Right. <laughs> They're like, what the hell is that? Cool, cool. And Julia, what what have you done to kind of you say roll dice, but like, what does that what does yeah, that mean? I, you, I found that there is for those. Hello. No, you're good. You're good. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So so you roll dice. So you can. Uh, put you can encourage players to make stuff up. So you say, well, I want to make a spell that does this. All right, well, how do you do it? You have to be pretty detailed. You can leave that up to the player to be really detailed about how they do that spell. Um, and they can draw on whatever they, whatever experience they have with magic or not magic or just you know kitchen herbs. Um, like procedure wise or. Sure, yeah. So if you say, well, I want to summon this demon or this, this devil. Okay, well, how do you do it? Um, all right, so, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't know anybody who knows how to do it, but my grandmother told me that if I do this, this, and this, then I can do this. All right, well, so you put those together, and then from there you have to roll the dice to see whether or not it works. And then um, 
from there, if it does work, well, you remembered exactly what your grandmother told you to do. And if you fail, you actually missed something, and so you didn't summon a demon, you summoned your grandmother. Um, so, so having players um, make up the spells, it, cool. it sort of makes it easier for the writer. <laughs> you know, just make it <laughs> up. Like just, just figure something it. out. Yeah, exactly. Kinda... It's it's you're there. I'm not there. Um, yeah. But uh, I I also do enjoy. I, I was a religion major in college, so I I enjoy doing the research and finding actual folk magic and other magical traditions um, to incorporate. And I always I have a bit of guilt about incorporating them, so I usually sort of make them off, make them up sideways. Right. So I, I, it's sort of like this tradition, but not really like this tradition. Um, but it's sort of, it's still in line with that sort of natural magic, and and very often a natural natural folk magic. The intention is really the most important thing. Um, and if you leave that up to players again, then it makes your job a lot easier. Um, but then again, I have books and books and books and pages and pages of, of spells and things that I've put together that I'm always wanting to put in some game somewhere uh, one of these days. Right. I think supplements. Oh, yeah, supplements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that, that sounds like, Julie, uh, what you were saying, you know, if you forgot that one ingredient, then, you know, something else happens. Kind of reminds me of weird science. You yeah. Know, it's like, oh, we forgot the doll this time. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I think it's also interesting that it, um, yeah. it has a way of honoring the community and the elders in a way that, like, a lot of magic systems don't necessarily get, right? Like, if you mm. remembered everything your grandma told you, Right, you it works. Right. right, but maybe you forgot something because you weren't listening so well that day. But like <laughs> she knew, man, like she knew how to do all that stuff, right? And I think that's a part. That's something I really like about that. You've uh -huh. captured magical realism really well there. I like the assumption that crazy grandma knows everything too. For Exactly. Does. Even if your aunt or your sister, whoever, or your mother, you know. But yeah, yeah, it's usually the grandmother who knows everything. Yeah, she knows everything. And it's just like capturing that is really difficult because yeah. you don't want to like stat up grandma as like this amazing <laughs> like it's so silly, right? But like putting the magic in her hands but having the players represent it's just it's an elegant thing. So and like Jeff said, supplements, yeah. man, that's where you put Golden it in. <laughs> cool, yeah. good. So um Let's let's talk a little bit about playing in a magical system. What what do you think players miss about using magic in games? What do you think if you could tell players like this is what you should do with magic? You have it in your hands. Do something cool with it. What would you tell them? What do you think? What do you think players miss about magic? Kyle, what do you think players miss about about magic in games? What they miss? Yeah, what do they you overlook? Mean miss or... as in like what they want to do with it? Yeah, like what do they what do they okay. overlook? What, what's um... the hidden potential of magic? Okay. Um, well, I think what a lot of players tend to frame their mind in is the D&Dism of it, because that's where we all started with magic, right? So a lot of, when I was playtesting magicians, I think a lot of people's tendency was to, if, like, I, for the first playtest, I had some examples. Like, if you want to do this kind of spell, you know, like, say these words. And then, like, as soon as they saw that, they would just kind of, like, latch onto that. They're like, all right, sweet, a list. I'm going to use that list. And then I was like, no, 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 you don't want that. So I just I just took out the list. And I was like, here's here's the guidelines. Here's what you do with it. If you 
we want to do this kind of thing. This is how you do it. Um, like, uh, for the most basic system, is just put a noun and a verb together. So um, what I had them, it, it was kind of like a ars magica in that sense. Um, if you wanted to, you know, use fire to do something, you would use the noun for fire and then the verb for, you know, whatever you're trying to do. If you're lighting something on fire or, you know, creating fire, taking it away, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, just like I said, give them a framework to use rather than uh, a set list of, you know, if I want to do fireball, this is how I do it kind of thing. And uh, once you take away their list, they, they like, they have those, like, those deer caught in the headlights look for a couple minutes, but then they kind of get used to it. And uh, they, you know, they fall into it and they want to, they start doing everything. And you, they soon realize, you know, like, magic really is anything. I can do anything I want with it. I can tell any story I want. And uh, that's when the ball really gets rolling. Okay, cool. Good. James, what about you, the man of many lists? How do you, what do you think players still overlook? Uh, it's... I don't, well, in the kind of games I run and that I do, they're, they're, you know, adventure kind of exploration kind of things. And, you know, I don't necessarily run a combat-heavy game, but, you know, the players will use, the, the magic-using players will generally want to be combat-ready. So I, it's not exactly unwise, because if you need, you know, something that helps with the exploration, well, then just come back tomorrow and then we'll have this exploration. But if, you know, if you need something combat-oriented, a little bit more difficult to, you know, once you're in the situation, you're in the situation. So I don't think that they're missing so much as uh, not always being as... Uh, three-dimensional as not not so much preparing or being aware of everything they're capable of when when they set out uh, you know it's always let's be ready for combat and then anything else we need we can do later you know, it doesn't matter if I throw scrolls at them or anything you know that's I, I find you know you have a player with a big stack of index <laughs> cards with a dozen scrolls and when they get into some weird situation that doesn't involve combat you know, the, the magic-using player isn't often looking through the scrolls to see if there's anything there. There's just so much that seems to be left on the table just because they want to be ready to blast something if they need to. So, right, you know, but, right. But again, again, it's not something I can really blame them for and say they're missing, and I just wish that, you know, magic players, you know, players, you know, will, will just think a bit more, uh, I don't know, uh, just a bit wider, I guess. Yeah. You know, in Dungeon World, there's uh, the the magic playbook or the magician playbook, uh, wizard playbook has a bag full of books, and it actually has uses for the books that so you can check off the books, right? And I've only had one player who's ever been like, "Oh, this is a dragon." I pull out my book on dragons, and I look up yeah. in the book on dragons, and it says dragons like X. Great, I'm checking off a use. <laughs> it's like it's perfect. <laughs> You're a wizard, man. You know stuff, yeah. right? About the way the world yeah. works, which almost maybe bridges the gap a little between that sort of high magic and a little bit of the folk magic, right? Looking for the stuff that's just part of the world, right? Yeah. So what about you, Julia? What, what, do, what do players overlook about magic? What do you wish they'd, they'd, they'd bring to the table? I, I, I hope they're not overlooking this, but, but skill building and, and having these lists and learning them is a really wonderful way to develop your character. 
So uh, if you have to read what your friendly game designer took the, the, the time to, to write out and put together, um, that develops your character. Your character now knows all this stuff that your game designer put out there. Um, so it's a, it's a really nice way to help a character um, grow and have an arc and as the character develops these skills, as they learn more uh, magic, then they become a different person. Um, and so those lists and the supplements represent all the, the, the wisdom that your character or whatever character you continue to play uh, learns. Um, the having to make up on the fly a spell that's going to do whatever, that's going to stop the living skeletons from eating you, um, that to, to have to come up with something really quickly, having that, that to, to do that on the fly is a really great skill as far as storytelling goes. And so using magic to sort of spark your creativity and to push it forward is a great thing. Um, and it, it's also a really good chance to fail miserably. Um, I, I really like the idea that you can just roll, your, your opening roll can end the game. <laughs> Because you, you, your, your spell sucked, yeah. and, and you, you you're all dead, and that's the end. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, because sometimes actually character development is really fun, and so, so you did all that, and here we are, and we're about to step on the path, and we cast this spell, and it blows up. Um, yeah. So I, I like the opportunity to fail miserably, um, and I think you can really do that quite well with magic. I'm sure you can do it well with combat too. Right. Uh, and it's also a nice way if you don't want to use combat, if you don't want to fight. Um, since I've, I have daughters, and one daughter is developing an interest in role-playing games, whereas the other one is much more interested in comic books. She, the, the younger one is eight, and she likes the role-playing games. And magic is a nice way to do combat and to, to prevail and to overcome the, the greatest odds without having the blood and gore, which her older sister would totally bring on if she let her. Um, <laughs> whereas the younger one right. is like, no, I want to develop wings. I want to fly away. <laughs> I'll fly away from the cop. Right. Or I'll yeah. freeze them. They're all yeah. frozen. And then I exactly. And I'll unfreeze. And, right. and if they played together, the, you know, my older daughter would be like, yeah, the zombies eat you. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were in the game. I, I, this is a little side. We were in the yeah. game store today, and my older daughter is going to be turning 14 and my younger daughter we decided we we're going to get her a game and we were going to get her the walking dead game and it was the comic game the comic book version and we thought well there's one character that she really wants to play and it's not one of the optional characters and so i, I noticed that my younger daughter who is not into this stuff at all yet uh was really looking for the gory zombie monster games to give my older daughter whereas she does like the I'm the knight, and I'm fighting, and she likes the magic. Um, and to fight, but she really likes the magic. Um, <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> so, anyway, so that, that said, um, and, and I think that, that maybe players do have a reluctance uh, um, around getting bogged down with these lists and supplements, but, you know, we did the work for you as the designer, and so all you do is read it. <laughs> and then, just and then, read it, enjoy it. But then bring it to the table, right? For the other players. Exactly. You're like yeah. you're like the magical ambassador. You're supposed to bring the crate. <laughs> you're supposed to be the guy who's like, well, this kind of dragon is blah 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 blah, because you're the magic guy. 
Exactly. I mean, because sometimes if you read lists of supplements, you'll find name? something that Guess you've never grandma noticed now. before. Exactly. Yeah. I'm playing grandma today. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, what, what? Actually, uh, let, let me uh, read something from the comments uh, that are going on here, because I think this should be part of the permanent record, because even I miss this as something for the players. Uh, Jeff Reince said, In D&D games, I'm often astonished by the number of magic users who don't take advantage of the spell research rules to come up with new spells. And I, I would have to agree with that. My players never do that. I just do that on the designer end, saying, oh, here's this strange wizard, and it's got this new spell, but that's not as a player, you know, developing it for my own use. So, yeah, I, I think players miss that opportunity when that it's there player. for them. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you finding these comments? We have, if you, we do have a G plus page uh, for, <laughs> oh, okay. for the event where there's okay. the comments. I, I try to bring starts. in... If we have any questions, I bring I bring them in, but uh, but, oh, okay. but it was good. I think Jim, Jim's right to bring in this great comment because spell Thanks, research Jim. can can be its own adventure, right? I yeah. mean, like you guys, you could have yeah. a whole adventure about designing a new spell, or and I'm sure in, in Steal Away Jordan, you could have whole adventures about trying to find the things you need to do a particular kind of magic. Right? Yes, so, and especially if they're very simple things, like you know how hard it can be to find an iron nail. Yeah. It can be kind of hard. <laughs> That's not going to pull apart your floor or something. Right. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Cool. So, um, speaking of sort of like innovative, exciting magic, what's the what's the most interesting magic system that's not your own? What's what's a magic system people should check out that they maybe hadn't haven't seen before or that they wouldn't know about? What's a magic system you think is really cool? Anything? LARP, tabletop board game, you know, role playing game. Mm -hmm. Like really think broadly. What's okay, a magic guys, I think we should just show our own our stuff here. <laughs> You're not <laughs> allowed to show your own stuff. You have to say something. You have to say somebody who's not here. Oh, right, not here. Oh, not here. This is the best magic system ever. I know. Somebody who's not here. What's a cool magic system that that our that our viewers and our listeners should should check out? Uh... And I'll let whoever wants to go first. There go we first. go. <laughs> I'll go first. I'll go first. Oh, okay, you go first. You go first. Okay. Go, go, go. Okay. okay, what I will say um, is something that's, well, completely in, like, the direction of what I usually do in my games. The GURPS magic system, the, the, the standard one. That It's somewhat amazing with these lists of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of spells with these spell trees where you have to learn this spell and then this spell and if you know both of those then you can learn this spell it's like you're taking university courses except they're magic spells and there, there's something fascinating about that well, that's it's, where I came it's, from. yeah it's yeah it's this tree of knowledge that if you meet a wizard that knows you know some certain spell you know that he's put in the time and he's got this whole tree of, of knowledge behind yeah. him because you know I find that interesting and there are certain games where maybe I yeah I could get into playing a more detailed kind of magic is is you know an actual force that can be understood and molded rather than something that just goes blah all over reality so it is a different approach but I think the the care and the detail has been put, put put into that. It's just amazing. Very cool. Good, Julia. All right, I, I'm going to um, I'm going to betray my indie roots and say I really like World of Darkness magic. <laughs> I really enjoy reading 
uh, vampire books. <laughs> um, and um, I, I, I just find it, it it's very creative and it's very interesting. Um, I really liked Sorcerer too. So, all right, I'll go back there. You go um, back I like Sorcerer. Yeah. Um, no, but, I, think, I think um, the World of Darkness Magic stuff is a blast, right? Like the vampire magic where you like cut your wrist and it like turns into this whip of blood. And, like, yeah. and it's, it's like, it's very evocative, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, the blood whip is freaky. It's frightening. Um, but right. all, I, I, I really, I like reading those books. Um, and the pictures are pretty too. But I really like reading um, World of Darkness books. Good times, good, cool. Kyle? Uh, in my case, I there's two ways I like to go, like I was talking about before. Um, one way, if I want like this open, free-form, do-whatever-I-want kind of thing, um, Ars Magica is probably the way to go for me, and that's you can see that in my own system. Um, and then if I want to go the other way, um, like with... Um, I like having like that other paradigm, too, like of the lists and like you know, if I only memorize, like, these particular spells this day, like, what can I do with that? Like, how can I resolve the situation with, like, you know, uh, fairy fire or something like that? Um, so, like, the D&Dism or, like, something like Dungeon Crawl Classics where um, it's just kind of like a, this random element to magic each time, um, those would probably be the two uh, ways I like to go with magic. Very cool. Good, good, good. Okay, so last last question to kind of wrap up. What's next for you as a designer with magic? What are you thinking oh, about with magic? <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you what are you what are you interested in? What are you sort of toying with? What's sort of your, your on your plates that you could share with us? Um, I, you guys had to know this is coming. If we're talking about making things magical, what's 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 what do you think about? What do you what's your what's your cool new thing? And uh, we'll go with we'll go with Kyle first here. Uh, in my case, my I'm more thinking of like magicians. I just wrapped up the Kickstarter for that. Like I just sent out all the books uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, for me, right now, it's more of um, looking at the success of it. I want to be doing more languages, incorporating more you know cultural elements and superstitions into the settings and that kind of stuff. Um, so for me, it's less of a different system more of like how can I get other languages in there and how can I, you know, properly teach them and service them as, you know, each language has their own unique uh, problems and uh, problems probably wasn't the right word, but unique <laughs> characteristics that you have to teach. Very cool. Do you, do you have a specific <laughs> one picked out? Uh, English. <laughs> I'm going to be doing a Korean version for learning English. <laughs> oh, very cool. And then who, cool. who knows? Yeah. Good. Uh, Julia? Uh, well, um, this year I, I had a, I have the intention of um, revising and redoing Steal Away Jordan. Maybe that'll, that means that it'll show up maybe in like five years. Um, <laughs> and, um, and finishing Tales of the Fisherman's Wife, which is about Japanese folktales. Deluxe that's... edition. Yes, the, the deluxe edition that I do on my 
spare time. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and um, and and doing LARP. I, I'm I'm trying to figure out a, a good way to do to have magic in LARPs other than have people say actually just say, well, I'm doing this. I'm being invisible. Um, so I'd like to explore that because I, I I hate carrying around cards and and mechanics and LARPs are always a little tricky and I just sort of like to have it freeform. So I'd like to try that. Um, and perhaps play a lot more games with more magic because um, I'm not trying to design anything at the moment other than finished projects that have been sort of been left by the wayside. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying playing and um, maybe working magic in my workplace to get people to get along. <laughs> I've heard that if you bring an orange in and you cut it in half and leave one half at one end of the office and the other half at the other end. Well, I work in a food co-op, so no one would notice that. <laughs> it's okay. The magic of the orange, right? That's how it works. Yeah. I mean, what I usually do is like wear like a nerdy t-shirt. Like I wore my Gambit shirt um, yesterday. And that always brings, people then say, oh my God, you read Gam you read comic books? And it's like, eh, yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's sort of working magic and getting people to, to communicate. It's, a, it's what, nerd what's magic. Up? <laughs> nerd magic, yes. It's, it's, yes, it's um, human relations magic. Human relations. The, awesome. the natural folk magic of uh, being an HR manager. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Jim, what about you? Okay, I've got a supplement in the works. Uh, I thought that magic users are, you know, not thought badly of in my games. You know, every group wants a magic user, and people are thinking, magic, there should be magic. Let's get some magic around ourselves. And I'm thinking that's not the right attitude for magic. So I'm having, I, I'm creating a supplement that, you know, basically gives magic users powers if they take drugs. And... <laughs> And it's going to be real-world drugs, because I figure if magic users can create magic potions, <laughs> they can make LSD. Sure. Uh, you know, so, you know, LSD, <laughs> cocaine, pot, meth, you know, all, each drug will have a different effect, you know, that, that allows them to break the usual rules. The idea is, is that the, the spell memorization and preparation that, that's in, in the rule book, that's going to be positioned as being for, like, apprentice types. These are for the people that, that you know, are just doing the practice magic. What, you're going to memorize one spell a day? Ooh, aren't you mystic? You know, so here, take these drugs and, you know, the number of spells you can memorize <laughs> changes. You don't have to worry about spell levels. You know, and this will turn these characters basically useless for anything else other than magic. Because, you know, you'd be walking around in the dungeon with one wizard in a complete opium haze. <laughs> and then the wizard there's all... at the lost door. Point yeah, the wizard yeah. at the lost door. Yeah, and then also, you know, it'll be... You'll... I'm having rules where the uh, brains of various character classes each can be, you know, turned into a drug. So, you, you know... If you take the brain of another wizard and, you know, do this and that to the juices, you've got a drug you can get high on that'll, that is unique because it came from a wizard brain. And you'll have one of those from a cleric brain and one of those from a fighter brain. So it'll give, give so if you have a magic user in the party and just being aware that this supplement exists, not even knowing if you're using it at the table, just knowing that the supplement exists and you're playing this game 
all the players gonna be looking at the magic user, going, really? You gotta, you gotta so, eat yes. my brain. Yeah, you're gonna eat my brain. Uh, <laughs> so that's yes. The, it's going to be called our I magic user. I think it should be like a real world acquir- uh, requirement as well. Like, oh, yeah. John's at gonna go table. smoke some weed, and then we're gonna get to it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the supplement is going to be called, and I don't know when I'm going to actually get it out there. But the supplement will be called "Our Magic User Is a Junkie," as in as an homage to the old Green Lantern comic book. Uh, you know, my God, Speedy is a junkie. Uh, and you know, the idea is to take something like this that on the cover it's going to be you know drugs. On the back cover it's going to be you know the gateway to ultimate power is drugs. And I, I just like to abuse the power I have of of being in retail distribution. I just want to see what <laughs> they make of this thing that says drugs. Drugs are great. Drugs give you power. You know. I hear so, that's yes, what the that, kids like to hear. Yeah. So I you play know. That game. So yes, that's what Julio. Yes, that's what I'll be doing with magic. I think Excellent. our hobby does Excellent. need well, more. Thank controversy, you guys very much for coming so. by. Um, yeah, that's right. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. So, well, thank you all for coming by. Thanks to those of you who watched uh, every month. Indie Plus does a game night where we bring together a few games, a few panels, and hopefully a lot of fun. And I'd like to give a big thank you to James, Julia, and Kyle who joined us today to talk about making games magical. Thank you guys very much. It was very exciting to, uh, to meet you. Actually, can I do... Oh, where's the little thing? Oh, I don't have it set up fast enough. You can... oh, no. yeah, I don't have it. But there's like a little way to do like applause, which I would totally do now if I knew what I was doing. Oh. Uh, but... Here. Cheers. I, I... I've been Cheers. drinking the whole time. There you go. Well, good. That's, that's how we do any plus panels. In fact, we have Yay! I've got that. water. <laughs> I've been so, drinking. Oh, can I plug this? This is ginger libation, which is locally produced. It's um, uh, ginger beer. So there, there you go. go. Good. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you all very much for coming, and thanks to you who watched. Um, we'll be back next month. Next month we're going to talk about taboos, uh, and so taboos in games. So maybe we'll see some of the same faces here uh, at events, running things, and or uh, being on panels in the future. So thank you all very much, and thanks to those of you who watched. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> See you